The reading this morning is from the fifth chapter of Mark. <clears throat> they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demonic sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what happened to the demonic and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown on you. And he went away and begged to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks, Sharon. Before I begin today, uh, Randy and I just wanted to publicly thank all of you uh, for your deep love and presence with us over this last fall and these last couple weeks uh, through my dad's death. And um, we uh, join many of you who have lost a parent or lost someone that you have deeply loved and how that changes you. But uh, we were refreshingly reminded the power of what a community is all about, to stand with each other, to carry grief, and to be changed through death. And I think this message that we proclaim, how we live in this world, is real and it's true. God's promise that uh, this life is uh, part of a bigger picture. And so uh, from our entire family, uh, a deep, deep thank you for your love and your presence and your prayers. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, uh, today we gather here all those things that are going on uh, here at church and in the world and in our families personally, and uh, sometimes we just need to hear again who you are, what you're about, that there is this tenacity to your love to enter into lives and to change them, even though we don't always like change. And so today we just come and we receive. We receive the power of your love, the power of this world as it enters each of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus and his disciples do not stay put. They get into a boat and they cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The shore that they land upon is Gentile land. It's foreign soil. And just as Jesus lifts his foot from the boat onto the beach, a possessed man immediately meets him. And this man is a mess, clearly unhealthy, his mind and body filled with uncontrollable thoughts and actions. The man has been a menace to his neighbors, so he has been outcast to the far edges, chained and shackled. His craziness is so rampant that he has broken through everything that can hold him back, and now he is bruising himself and just roaming through the mountains and the tombs. The, the, the demons inside of the man immediately recognize Jesus as the Son of the Most High. And it's interesting to note that up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, no one else can quite understand who Jesus is, but the demons know and they are afraid. There's some kind of spiritual warfare interplay going on here that we can't quite comprehend. Jesus breaks into the chaotic and the awkward, obviously not afraid of the encounter, and he speaks with the demons, it's plural. They say their name is legion, which is many. And Jesus commands them to leave the man and then enter this huge herd of pigs. The evil spirits enter the pigs and they frantically run over the cliff and fall to their death below. The possessed man is now whole and healthy. The community, instead of being happy, is terrified at all that has happened, and they beg Jesus, just leave us. They are not sure what kind of person disrupts the known and messes with their livelihood, their norm. The townspeople seem to care more about their herd of pigs than they do that this man is now healed and healthy. Such a colorful and odd story, isn't it? It doesn't fit neatly into our perceived images of God because Jesus is not so much the gentle comforter in this story. He is the disruptor of the established. And I think the people are afraid, and I think we too can be fearful when we hear this story because it is clear that when Jesus enters in, nothing stays the same. And it makes us wonder, doesn't Jesus care about these pigs, the loss of property, the livelihood of a community? What is most important here to Jesus? Jesus is not passive. There is an immediacy and an urgency 
to what God intends for this world. This is not a comforting message because we prefer to keep things as we have known. The established is just more comfortable than the unknown. But God is initiating something in Jesus, something that will not fit into our world as we know it. God's intent is to usher in healing, wholeness, unity, even at the expense of breaking through the established structures of this world. Now we here at Mount Olivet are crossing over to the other side of the lake. It just feels different today. What we have been used to has changed. Pastor John has been called to a new journey and a new place. In eight days, Pastor Hans Lee will join us as interim senior pastor for a while while we live into this new time. We have a meeting here shortly to talk about this next new year. We can't hold on to the past. We are moving ahead. And this story is not just a story of long ago, but a story that speaks to us today. What are you afraid of as we move into all that is ahead? What feels disruptive to you? It is clear in this story that God has a power beyond our human capacity. We can choose to be afraid of that, or we can harness this power as we step out from our own boat onto new land. There are a couple key insights from this story that seem relevant to us as we move ahead together. First, evil is so powerful and prevalent in this world in every shape and size. It can corrupt and it can, and it can destroy creation and people. We can't avoid evil. It's even within each of us, the power to hurt, to manipulate, to poison, to abandon, to break down. Jesus never hesitates to enter into the evil. In fact, he confronts it and ultimately will overcome it. Early on in his ministry, Jesus was tempted by the center of this evil. He could have had all the power and control of this world, but Jesus chose another path, one of trust in the power of God revealed through love and compassion. God's presence through Jesus then breaks up the established hierarchy of power. But what is scary then is that in the wake of God's presence, it messes up what we expect. But yet the world is not left on its own. Something new emerges. In this story, the possessed man is sent back into the community where he has lived with a purpose. He's a change agent now called to speak to what God has done and to usher in hope for what God will do. You see, disruption can transform people and open a way to see, more, see differently and more vastly. I think we need to welcome this disruption as a part of this life of faith. When the expected is shaken, we just see things differently. Maybe it's a new perspective, a new sign of life, a change in plans. That's what scripture can do. 
And that's why when we dwell in scripture or dwell in the word, along with our other spiritual practices, we call them disruptive practices because they break open the comfortable to see something differently. A second angle of this story is the notion of faith. Often, we equate faith to knowledge or experience. Someone is deemed faithful when they know much about scripture or God, if they attend church regularly and have survived these hardships of life. It makes sense to us then that faithful people are warranted God's blessings. But that's not what we hear in this story. The possessed man in this story has no theological pedigree. We know nothing of his life experiences. His faith or lack of faith ultimately cannot make him well. Jesus rather acted out of a sense of sheer grace to interrupt evil with love, to bring healing and wholeness to one who was ill and abandoned. God has a fierce love for this world and his pieces, and he will stop at nothing to break open this love into the established ways of our lives. We will lead in trust as we cross the sea into a new time if we remember that our call is to follow the one whose power can overcome evil, bring life from death, and who enters into the broken to transform and to call anew. There is chaos and disruption in, our, in this story and in our lives, but there's also a promise of hope. God's urgency to accomplish his purposes no matter what. And this is good news. May we step out of the boat and trust in Jesus who will enter in and open the way. May this be so. Amen.